Sunday morning. Brother Ken will come lead us now. Let's all stand together this morning. Amen. Page number 244 in your songbook. Page number 244. Amazing Grace will sing all four verses this morning. Page number taken to Roanoke Hospital, still in ICU, critical condition, uh, lots of complications he's continuing to have with his ruptured appendix. Pray for him if you would. Of course, Amber Mize had to have emergency surgery over the weekend. She's home doing well, but pray for uh, Amber if you would. And then uh, continue to pray for Brother Robert Turner. Miss Vicki, what a blessing to see you walk in here this morning, Miss Vicki. Amen. Boy, that's an answer to prayer. Uh, Brother Robert uh, has developed a couple of bleeding ulcers. 
Uh, so pray for him, if you would, continuing to suffer some complications. But God's grace is sufficient, and he's been so good. And so we're going to trust him every step of the way. Brother Nichols, come take us to the throne room, and you join Brother Ed this morning as we pray. Our Father God, as we bow before you this morning, thank you for uh, mercy and grace just to be here. Thank you, God, for a good church to come to. God, we just ask you, Lord, that you might bless in the worship service here this morning. Bless our pastor, God, as he brings forth thy word. God, I just pray for that one that's lost and nearest eternity this morning that they might get saved. God, we just thank you for uh, Sister Vicki being back with us this morning. We still pray, God, for Brother Robert as he's there in the hospital. Brother Billy, God, just pray, God, for them two fellows that they can, you'll put your healing hand of grace upon them. God, just be in the service this morning. We'll thank you and praise you for everything you do for us. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Nichols. You can be seated. Would you amen me this morning? God's been good to you. You listen to Brother Ken as he sings a new song for our choir. I hope it'll bless your heart. You've been good to me.
another one new for you this morning, new for our choir. Certainly not a new song. This is one of Kyla's songs. So I know that surprises everybody when I say that. Uh, but she sings this often. And when you look back over the pages of your history, if you're a child of God, you can say you made it for one reason. You made it by grace. You listen as Matt sings. by my side in deserts dry love me and help me when I cried so let me sing you one more song in case I leave I know how I made it I made it by grace since that our to this song. Uh, if God's been good to you, I want you to worship with us this morning. God's been good in my life.
can see. I've cried some bitter tears, but I felt his arms around me as I faced my greatest fears. You see, I've had more gains than losses, and I've known more joy than hurt as his grace rolled down upon me.
done, choir. Miss Sarah, you got a church family that's praying for you, honey. We love you this morning. Let me give you several announcements today. And uh, first of all, I want to pause just a moment and say a huge, huge, huge thank you uh, to those men who were able to come out on any of the days or evenings this week, Thursday evening, Friday evening, or all day Saturday. Uh, some of the fellows were here 10 hours yesterday, and I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. You probably cannot see a fraction of the work that was done, and that means they did it good. They did it well, uh, and I appreciate so very much. Some of the men put in about 30 hours between Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate it. I'm going to actually give them the night off tonight. It, now, don't clap for that. Um, I told Renee this morning, I know the, several of the men are exhausted, you're wore out, uh, and I appreciate immensely what you've done. I want you to go home and spend the evening with your family because we took you away from your family all weekend. Uh, and, I, from the, and I don't take, it chokes me up when I think about that because the most valuable thing you have is your time. And I appreciate you spending time with us this weekend. And you saved the church tens of thousands of dollars uh, by what you did. So we're not going to do services tonight because I want you to spend the, again, appreciate you not clapping or saying amen right there, uh, because I want you to spend the evening with your family, and uh, I appreciate immensely what you've done. I'll put that out on our call system. I want to encourage you to be here Wednesday night. We'll have, our, of course, our Bible study. We're going to do the business meeting afterwards, the quarterly business meeting, and I'm going to give everyone an update on our parking lot project. What was done this weekend was for that. I'll talk to you all the details about it on Wednesday night. It won't be long, but I want to inform you about why we had the men do this instead of uh, uh, a, a different company and the cost savings behind that and what the rationale behind it was. We'll do all of that Wednesday night, so you help us out with that if you would. And then uh, uh, don't forget, of course, our Grace Network item. We appreciate everybody's continued support of that ministry. This coming Thursday is, of course, our Senior Saints. Tri is that right? This Thursday? Yeah. This Thursday, our Senior Man, time flies. Amen. Senior Saints trip, leaving here from the church at 930, those of you that signed up to attend. And then let me also remind you that uh, for those that are going, uh, those senior saints, I'll have this in the bulletin for next week, that are going on the May, uh, excuse me, the October sight and sound trip up to see uh, the, the new production that they're doing, Jesus. Uh, the Oh, you're leaving 10 o'clock. All right, wait a minute. Let me back up. Um, let me, let, you're leaving 10 o'clock. <laughs> This Thursday, you're leaving 10 o'clock instead of 9.30. So this Thursday, 10 o'clock instead of 9.30. Those senior saints that are going uh, to the October trip, uh, you need to sign up by May the 9th, and uh, the $50 deposit is due uh, by that time as well. Again, that will be in our bulletin for next week. Uh, time of the year for our graduation activities to be upon us. I've got the dates in there for the Child Care Center graduation, for our final Awana for the year, for our Awana graduation, and then most importantly, not most importantly, but equally importantly, we always, the first Sunday of every uh, June, we have graduation Sunday here in the church. Uh, and we set up tables here at the front for our graduates to display all of their accomplishments. Uh, it's a great time. So if you are graduating from high school or college, and we mean any degree in college, career study certificate, certificate associate's degree, bachelor's, master's, whatever you've got, need you to make uh, sure that Miss Leanne knows about that so that we can uh, give you a gift. We always do that on graduation Sunday. And then if you are going to display a table, we want to make sure that we have enough for you. If you let Miss Susan Horsley know that, that you want to participate in one of the table displays so that we make sure we've got all of that set up for you. We'll give you the hours for that 
as it draws closer. Then, of course, June the 16th is our college graduation, Cornerstone Baptist Bible College. Uh, that'll be 6 o'clock here in the sanctuary. We'll be speaking there, so please keep that in mind if you would. Then a very important announcement, a new one, uh, our golf tournament. This All the proceeds, we have this every year. The proceeds go to assist with our teen conference expenses. The golf tournament this year is Sunday, June the 23rd. Please put that on your Saturday, not Sunday. Oh, you would get fired, but I bet you we'd have a big turnout. Amen. Saturday, Saturday, June the 23rd, uh, uh, beginning at 1 o'clock, and I'll put that in there. I didn't put the time, but I'll put that in there beginning at 1 o'clock. We're going to need lots of assistance from parents and from teens. Brother Ken wants to meet with all the teens and parents. If you're a teenager in the teen group or a parent, uh, and young adults as well meet in the teen room. Yep, right after the service, he's going to go over what's needed for that and some uh, uh, ways that the teens can help uh, pay for their teen conference. We try to use this as our primary fundraiser. Uh, but I will tell you, parents, we need your help. I told Brother Ken and Miss Susan uh, that I didn't want all the burden of this lying upon them as it has been for the last couple of years, and we're going to pitch in and help out with that. So parents, keep that in mind if you would, and we'll meet right after the services this morning in the teen room. All right, let me get all the little ones now that are heading to Children's Church, Junior Church. Come on and make your way down this morning. If you're heading to Children's Church, Junior Church, you come on. Anybody visiting, they're going to come around and collect loose change. This helps support our children's and ladies' ministries here at the church.
come make your way down this morning. Sister Betty, you come get ready to sing for us. I'll share this with you just to put a little smile on your face. I had to leave yesterday afternoon while the men were still working to go to college to speak at an event, a uh, student in honors induction ceremony. And uh, after the event, the students were so gracious, they gave me a gift bag with goodies in it, including a little Bible commentary and a new pair of happy socks. <clears throat> so uh, I told them that they all had straight A's for this semester. They didn't even have to try for the rest of the year. Uh, but um, the... Uh, other keynote speaker, there were two. The other keynote speaker said something that I came home and wrote in the flyleaf of my Bible. She said the following Your reputation gets somewhere before you do, and it lingers long after you leave behind. I thought in the back of my mind, let's change that to testimony because it means the same thing. Your testimony gets somewhere before you do, and lingers long after you leave behind. Father, bless the offering today. May it be what you'd have it to be in Christ's name. Amen. When Adam and his wife sinned, in the garden in the distance God saw a cross when Cain killed his brother God was watching and God saw a cross when slew the Egyptian man in anger God saw the cross and when David chose Bathsheba over honor God knew there had to be a cross God saw a cross being raised on the horizon. God saw his son being slain for one and all. God saw his blood being shed for our redemption. For every fall, God saw. Jesus, God saw a cross, and when I first rejected his great offer, I'm so thankful God saw a cross, and with every wicked choice I walked in darkness. God saw a cross so black. 
Blinded by my sin, my soul was helpless. With eyes of mercy, God still saw a cross. God saw a cross being raised on the horizon. God saw his son being slain for one and all. God saw his blood being shed for our redemption for every fall. God saw the cross. And when finally I gave259. I closed my book by accident. 259. <laughs> 259. What a wonderful song. Has a great message. Appreciate that song, Miss Betty. What a blessing that was. We have heard the joyful sound, Jesus says. We hadn't sung that in a while. We'll do the first verse in the happy time of fellowship. Page number 259. Sing it out now. We have heard joyful sound Jesus saves Jesus saves spread the tidings all around Jesus saves Jesus saves bear the news to every land climb the steeps and cross the waves onward tis our Lord's command Jesus saves Jesus saves
right. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you so very much. The book of Esther this morning, please. The book of Esther. Chapter number four. The book of Esther. Chapter number four. We will look at, to begin with, one verse of Scripture. We'll look at several during the course of the message. But to begin with, we'll look at just one verse, verse number 14. Some of you were with us, of course, when a couple of years ago we went verse by verse on Wednesday nights through the book of Esther. It is a fascinating, fascinating book. A book that is not just ripe with Christian ideology, character, and doctrine. Historically, it fits right into the study of the Persian Empire. It is a beautiful, beautifully contextually well-written book. It is, of course, one of only two books in the Bible named after a female, the other being Ruth. Interestingly, the book of Esther is the only book of the 66-book canon that nowhere do you see the mention of the name of God, Lord, anything like that. Yet you can feel his power and his presence and his handiwork throughout every page, every chapter, every verse. You can feel the presence of God in the book of Esther. When chapter number 4 opens... There is a real crisis that has developed. We'll talk a little bit more about that crisis during the course of the message. But the crisis is very simple. Because of one person's dishonesty, the entire Jewish race that's in Persia at that time, all of the Jews living in Persia, are on the verge of execution. They are just, at this point, a few months away from all being executed, genocide, again, because of this, the dishonesty of one individual. One of the guards in the king's court, a man by the name of Mordecai, has encouraged his family member, who happens to be the queen, Esther, to go into the king and plead the case of her people. At this point, no one, including the king, even knows that Esther is a Jew. And so when Mordecai encourages Esther to go before the king, he's encouraging her now finally at last to reveal her lineage, her ancestry, but to also go in and plead for her people, the Jewish race, who again are on the verge of, of genocidal execution. Esther rightfully says, I can't do that. I can't just barge in in front of the king. I can't just walk in uninvited and unannounced. Moreover, it's been 30 days since he asked for me. It's a different society. It's a different patriarchal society in which the queen cannot just walk in. Rather, she's got to be summoned. Uh, and if she dares walk in unannounced and the king doesn't want her presence, he can have her executed. And so she says, I can't do that. Mordecai's answer is found 
in verse 14. Read it with me this morning. Esther chapter 4, verse 14. For if thou, this is Mordecai speaking, if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. Let me just pause a second because this is a part of the verse that commentators rarely speak about. You always hear commentators talk about the final clause of that verse for such a time as this, but they never talk about this part of the verse where, where Mordecai very bluntly and very boldly says, God's going to take care of the Jewish people. There will come enlargement of the Jews from somebody else. God will take care of his own. Can I pause a moment and extrapolate that to the bride today? God will take care of the church. I'm going to show you in just a moment this morning, these are dangerous, perilous times in America in which we live. But you hear me and you hear me well. God's going to take care of his church. Keep reading, verse 14. Then shall there a enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And Look at the final clause here. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Again, let me paraphrase it. Mordecai says, Esther, please understand and consider the fact that God has you where you are in the position that you're in with the power and the prominence that you have to tackle head-on the position and the problem that we face for such a time as this. I want to declare this morning that I believe that publicly, nationally, in many parts of our country, war has been declared on the church. Across many parts of this Christian, or according to Christian sociologists, post-Christian society, war has been declared on the church, upon those of us who say we're Christians. When war is declared, the response is usually threefold. Sometimes people will complain, criticize, not really do a whole lot. Sometimes people will give in and compromise, fit in. And then thirdly, there are those who will lovingly, courageously draw a line in the sand and say, we are taking a stand. My desire this morning is singular. It is, in the course of the message, meant to convince you uh, through lots of evidence that I'll share with you this morning that war has, in fact, been declared on the church. But at the same time, to convince you to do option number three, to join us in lovingly, kindly, 
and courageously taking a stand. Why? Because maybe, just maybe, God has all of us here for such a time as this. Maybe, as Mordecai says, maybe, just maybe, God has placed us in this place, in this time, in this position to tackle these problems. And I will submit to you with every kindness that I have, if we don't, who will? Who will? The title of my message this morning is Rallying God's Troops. Rallying God's Troops. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. Lord, there are messages that you give us that I feel transport us really to a different time and a different era. And Esther is certainly one of them. Lord, it's a book that is ripe with historical significance. It's a book that's ripe with beautiful characterizations and a great plot and an incredible, incredible storyline. And Lord, as wonderful as that is, it is also a book for the modern-day Christian as well. God, Esther's not just a history book. It's a book that reminds us all that we can, we should, and we must lovingly take a stand for such a time as this. Lord, I pray this morning that you'd use me to do just what we've said, to rally this group of believers into action. Rally this church to, again, lovingly, boldly, courageously take a stand for such a time as this. Use us now in Christ's name. Amen. Three things that I'd invite you to look at with me this morning regarding Esther. Number one, I want you to note with me regarding this story, the climate of Esther. The climate of Esther. When chapter number one opens, the year is 510 B.C. 510 approximately B.C. The king on the throne is a man by the name of Ahasuerus or as he's known in most history books, Xerxes. He has uh, uh, reigned over uh, Persia for a couple of decades at this point. And interestingly, 50 years before Esther opens, the Jews who had been part of the captivity for 70 years had been allowed to return back to Israel, back to their land of Judah, to reestablish their livelihood and their identity. Yet there remained throughout the Persian Empire many who had set down roots, who had established lives, and who opted to not return home to the Promised Land, but rather to remain away from Israel. Many decided to stay because they'd been born in this land. They'd been raised in this land. Yet at the same time, I want you to understand that even though they had set down roots, even though their families had been all around them in Persia, they were still strangers in a strange land living in dangerous times. There was no tabernacle to worship in. There was no following of the law. 
There was no ability to gather together, uh, assemble together, and worship the Lord. It was a dangerous, dangerous time for these pilgrims to be living in a foreign land. May I make a bold statement this morning? Thank God we live in America. But may I simply say the America that we live in today is scarcely unrecognizable from what she was even 20 years ago. The country that we live in, I told the choir this morning, all of you who celebrate and love spring and pollen and flowers, the altar is open. (laughs) The country that we live in today seems to be a strange place for the Christian. This country that proclaims to be a Christian nation proclaims to be in our pledge one nation under God and on our currency in God we trust seems to have wandered so radically far from the God that we proclaim to serve. These Jews were living in a foreign land. I'll pause a moment and simply say this, church. If I'm reading my Bible correctly, and I believe I am, we should not anticipate things getting better and better. In fact, we should anticipate them getting worse and worse. They were living in a foreign land. Not only were they living in a foreign land, they were under frightening leadership. They were under frightening leadership. Scripture tells us, that this king, Ahasuerus, again known in the history books of school children as King Xerxes of Persia, in chapter 1, he announces a 180-day party. A party of debauchery. A party of great alcohol and celebration. And as the 180 days are drawing to a close, the king calls for his queen, a woman by the name of Vashti, and in his drunken stupor, demands that she parade around in front of everybody wearing nothing but her crown. All the princes of the 127 provinces that were under the rule and leadership of Persia are there. So it's the king and 127 other strange men. And the king demands that his wife, his queen, walk out in nothing but a crown and a smile. She wisely refuses. And as a result, she's banished. She's kicked out of the kingdom. So in chapter number 2, there's a royal beauty pageant with women from each of the 127 provinces coming to compete for the title of Miss New Queen. Among the 127 ladies parading around, Esther is chosen to be the queen. However, at this point, Esther, who is a Jew, is encouraged by her cousin Mordecai not to reveal the fact that she is a Jew. He tells her it's dangerous. Jews are not in a favored state. You can't reveal who you are. You can't reveal your faith By all accounts, he says, uh, the leaders uh, are not favorable to our faith. Uh, They are out of control, uh, and so you've got to cover up who it is that you are. By all accounts, these leaders 
with their godlessness were ruling over a godless society and debauchery and sin was the norm. I'll pause a moment and say that despite the fact it was 2,500 years ago, it is eerily similar to the day and age in which we live. Through the course of the message this morning, I'm going to share with you all kinds of things that I have pulled out of my personal files. One of my favorite topics to study, and I often present the results of that on July 4th week, is the historical background of our country. But one of the things that I feel compelled to study is what I consider to be the growing persecution of believers in American society. I want to quickly give you three of the hundreds of examples from my files that show you just how radically far leaders across our country have gone to silence believers in the last 36 months. By the way, I'm not going to name any names. If you want them, you can come see me afterwards. I'll be glad to give them to you, but I'm not going to name any names. I'm just going to give you the overview. In the last 36 months, in the town of Houston, the mayor passed an ordinance allowing transgender people to have access to bathrooms in all public buildings. That's pretty common today. That's pretty standard. But included in that language, surprising to most folks, a language that she called Houston's Equal Rights Ordinance, was a mandate that churches also do the same. The churches also do the same. Not surprisingly, many in Houston, including some churches, rose up in opposition. Preachers mounted the pulpit and said, not in my church, not in my church. So the mayor subpoenaed five pastors and made them turn over their messages related to the topic. Many in Houston came out in support of the pastors, and a support group was formed called Hashtag Houston. We have a problem. It was formed on Twitter, and Twitter blocked it. Twitter blocked it. I thought to myself when I read this story two years ago, we're not talking about in Houston, Texas, a bastion of liberalism. We're talking Texas. We're talking the heart of the Bible Belt. And I thought to myself, I hope you won't be offended when I say this. If some of those folks stumble into a Texas bathroom, they won't have to worry about surgery. There'll be some rednecks that'll take care of it. Houston, we have a problem. Perhaps you've heard about the case that was argued before the Supreme Court in February. A decision is due this summer, the effects of which will ripple across our country in significant ways. There are, as you can imagine, in Colorado Springs, countless numbers of bakeries. A same-sex couple wandered into a bakery and asked a baker who was well-known for his faith if he would serve them. The baker, a loving man, simply said, absolutely. Absolutely. 
I would be glad to. I love everybody in my community, and I am happy to serve you. They asked him to cater their wedding and requested a cake be done in a manner that he subsequently revealed would violate what he deemed to be his religion. He gave them the names of several other bakers in the community that he thought could better serve them and said, you can, anything you want, I'm happy to provide you, but what you're asking me to do is a violation of my faith. They sued. They won at the state, at the local level, and now it has been argued in front of the Supreme Court with a decision due this summer. You understand the results of that will have major implications across our country. Perhaps you've heard about, my son has mentioned several times now, in California, Bill number 2943. If you Google, Google Bill 2943 in California and read it. It is staggering. It has passed California's first legislative hurdle, the House of Delegates, and is expected to fly through the California Senate and be signed into law. It forbids pastors and others of faith to assist anyone who comes with any kind of what we deem sexual deviation to get any assistance whatsoever. If a person comes to a pastor or a youth leader and says, I'm struggling with this, those pastors are forbidden to assist them according to what the Bible says. It would make it illegal for bookstores to sell faith-based books that promote traditional marriage. It would make it illegal for churches and other places of faith to promote traditional marriage. It's a staggering statement in our society. There were frightening, there was frightening leadership. They were living in a foreign land and they were under the oppression of frightening laws. Again, going back to Esther, you don't have to turn. But in chapter 3, Ahasuerus, the king, names a fellow by the name of Haman as his prime minister. And the king mandates foolishly, that whenever Haman walks by, everybody's got a bow. Whenever Haman passes by, everybody's got to bow and worship. Well, most people comply. But there's this stubborn Jew, this fella by the name of Mordecai, who when Haman walks by and says, Hey, buddy, you got a bow, Mordecai says, I should have no other gods but the God of heaven. And Mordecai refuses to bow. He's not unkind. He's not doing anything inappropriate. He simply says, I can only worship my God. Haman hightails it to the king and delivers a lie that says, the Jews refuse to follow the law. Let's kill them all. And so the king 
agrees. When you read this in chapter 3, when I read it, I cannot help but think how stupid to enact some kind of foolish ordinance like that. Yet I'm going to pause a moment and pull some examples from the hundreds that I have in my personal files that show you in the last 24 months, America has gotten just as stupid. And I don't, my mother used to hate that word. She would not allow me to say it, but forgive me, Mama, she's in heaven, so I ain't got to worry about it. Stupid, stupid, stupid laws and ordinances that have passed our country in the last 24 months. Let me give you a handful. The IRS, we could stop right there. (laughs) The IRS launched a widespread series of attacks two years ago on Christian ministries and pro-life groups, including an in-depth investigation in what is most assuredly the most radical of groups that are doing incredible damages worldwide, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Society, Samaritan's Purse, a North Carolina pastor, was 18 months ago fired from his duties as an honorary chaplain for the State House of Representatives when at the end of his prayer he said, in Jesus' name I pray, amen, he was fired. A Massachusetts 8-year-old boy was just weeks ago sent home from his school and ordered to undergo a psychiatric evaluation when the second grade teacher encouraged them to draw a picture celebrating Easter, and he drew a cross. He was sent home in order to undergo a psychiatric evaluation. Most of these you won't hear about in mainstream media. That's the reason every time I read it, hear it, find out about it, I grab it, drop it into my electronic files because you need to understand that war has been declared upon believers. A professor at a major university was publicly denied for a job as the university's director of the observatory when he declared that he was a Christian. A widow who lives in Minnesota in an apartment complex funded by the housing and urban development department, otherwise known as HUD, was told that because she lived in a publicly funded building, she could not pray, she could not read her Bible, and she could not have discussions of any sort of religious nature in any common area. In Florida, a Christian school and a church were absolutely devastated. The children had worked for an entire semester collecting money for what is a very viable project called Wounded Warrior, taking care of those men and women who have fought courageously for our country. In fact, one class... This One class of third graders gave up their lunch money for a month to put into the kitty 
to go to the Wounded Warrior Project. They were devastated when they received the letter from Wounded Warrior refusing to accept their money because it came from a religious organization. For the past 31 years, a ministry, a faith-based organization in Florida has been providing food to the hungry, homeless of the community. All that changed six weeks ago when a state government worker showed up and said that because their food was coming from the USDA, they would no longer receive it unless they removed pictures of Christ and the Ten Commandments. This, is, this, this one blows my mind. Two individuals were arrested in California and charged with a misdemeanor for sitting out front in the DMV parking lot in their cars reading their Bible. When asked why they were arrested, they were told because you're reading something of a religious nature on public property. You know, when I read that, I thought, you know, it might actually be a best practice before you go into DMV to read your Bible. <laughs> you might need a little bit of Jesus before you go into DMV. This one made national attention. A high school football coach in Washington State was removed from his job, lost his career, lost his pension for a horrible offense after the games were over. He dared to do the unthinkable in his own time. As folks were leaving, he would go out to the 50-yard line, kneel and pray when there were no injuries on the field. Though he asked no one, there were times in which others joined him, including students, players, and even opposing coaches and people from the other team. But because he did so where others could see him, he was fired. In a school district up north, a vote of 8-0 to zero was given to terminate a teacher despite protests from a huge number of the community who declared that this third grade teacher was the best in the district. What was his crime? Well, the bell rang, and a young child quickly scooted in who had been running late. The teacher smiled at him and said, Well, the last will be first, and the first will be last. Because he quoted from the Bible, he was fired. In Texas, two cheerleaders were removed from their squad when before a football game, they posted a giant banner that said, Go Lions! But down in the right-hand corner, they wrote simply Hebrews 12.1. You want to know what the horrible, horrible thing that verse says? Let's run with patience the race that is set before us. For that, they were removed. Student in California was last month told by a university administrator to remove her cross necklace because it was offensive to others. 
in over a hundred year history, a prominent law school in California had never denied organization to any student group until last month when they revoked charter status from the Christian Legal Student Society. And just 40 miles down the road in North Carolina, the owner of a mom-and-pop diner, in an effort to drum up business in a floundering economy, gave a whole series of discounts through the week. Monday night was a 10% discount for grandparents. Tuesday night, kids under eight were given free meals. Friday nights, parents of local schools got 10% off their meals. But on Sundays, they offered a 10% discount with a church bulletin. The ACLU heard about the last one, sued the diner, which was forced to close because of mounting legal fees. This is but a tip of the iceberg of the thousands of examples that I have. And I'll summarize all of it to say this. Christian sociologists have declared that the era in which we lived is not only a post-Christian society, but they say that nuclear attack has been declared on Christianity in America. I want to make an important statement to you, church. These are not political matters. These are faith-based matters. I'm convinced that we need less of promoting the Democratic donkey or the Republican elephant, and we need a whole lot more promoting the Lion of Judah. These are not issues of politics, but they're issues of faith. War has been declared upon our faith. That's part one. Stand to your feet this morning. Part one. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to look at part two, which asks an important question. Now that we know it, what are we going to do about it? Now that we know it, what are we going to do about it? I will share with you one simple statement. You'll hear very little of this promoted on national media. But I want you to understand, folks, that God has us here in these positions for such a time as this. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm simply going to ask you to join me. If you want to step out, make your way to this altar and say, Lord, I'm re-engaging in, in the army. I'm re-enlisting for the battlefield. Lovingly, courageously boldly recommitting for another tenure we teach our children to sing I'm in the Lord's army but this is not child's play this is our great commission I'll ask you one more question if you're here today and you've never gotten into the Lord's army 
You've never been saved. If the Lord were to come back today, or heaven forbid you were not to make it home, you're not sure of where you'd go, you'd like me to pray for you, would you slip your hand up right now? Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure of my salvation. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Brother Ken's going to sing us one verse. If you want to join me at this altar this morning, you step out right now while Brother Ken sings. to be in the Lord's army. Amen. Glad to be on the winning side. Despite the difficult times in which we face, I have good news. I've read the back of the book and we win. Pray for us, buddy. Amen. Father, as we bow before you this morning, God, we do thank you, Lord, for this timely message you laid on our pastor's heart. God, you set us all for this time, Lord, you set us aside to live in this generation, and God, to face the things that are happening in our country. God, I pray, Lord, you give us all a backbone, Lord, to stand for what we believe in, and Father, stand for the truth and right. God, we are thankful, Lord, and we know, God, as your children, we are on that one inside. Father, help us, Lord, through times of discouragement and despair, Father, to stand strong and upon your word, and Father, not to back down, Lord, on our faith, Father, our family, and for our beliefs. God, we love you this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, for loving us first. We praise you, God, for your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the blood, Lord, that was shed on Calvary's cross to save us from our sins. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, thank you, Lord, for what we've heard today. May we apply it to our lives. Father, keep us safe as we go our separate ways. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen.